Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. Crash landed. From comics to video games. From the cinematic universe to television. Connecting you to the biggest stars in the industry. Something out there had discovered us. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. With so much uncertainty, we try and bring you the most entertainment that we can. It's episode 307 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham, and yes, the coronavirus stories just keep evolving. Everything keeps changing. Things are getting delayed, canceled. And actually, one of those changes kind of hit me directly here at the Down and Nerdy Podcast. We were supposed to air an interview this week for the Mulan movie that was going to be coming out on March the 27th. Of course, that's not happening now. So we were kind of asked to hold the interview. So I'm doing that. So now you're stuck with me this week. We're going to be talking about all the impacts that are going on in the nerd world and entertainment world with the coronavirus, the COVID-19 virus. There's so much going on. I said last week, we're only going to talk about it if it was important. And there's a lot of important stuff to talk about because there's so much. I thought that, you know, let's let that be the focus this week. And there's going to be some non-coronavirus stuff, too. We've got the review of the season three of Black Lightning. Spoiler filled there, the season three finale. We're also going to be talking about some brand new comics. You know that. There will be some nerd news that has nothing to do with the coronavirus. I promise you that. And, by the way, we're sponsored again this week by Mack Weldon. So, hey, I'll let you know another deal that you can get on some premium quality menswear. And, of course, keep supporting last week's sponsor, ID Tech. Go to idtech.com slash dnpod and get that great deal for something that your kid is going to be able to do this summer and have a blast. But right now, yeah, it's time to talk about comics. Let's talk about something that has nothing to do with a pandemic. It's what we're reading next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is writer Stephanie Phillips, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Maybe you're hitting the power button on the laptop or the tablet, or you're sliding out the long box, getting out the bags and boards. Whatever you're reading on, it's time for what we're reading. A couple of different books this week. Let's start out with something from Skybound and Image Comics. How about Stealth, number one? Mike Costa writing that one. Nate Bogarde on the art. Tamara Bonvillain on the colors. And Sal Cipriano on the letters. Check out that cover, too, by the way by Jason Howard. It's very, very cool. And it, and it is a superhero story. Now, I always kind of look and seek out different superhero stories because I think it's interesting to get, you know, different heroes outside of the quote-unquote big two. So, basically, we have a superhero that is fighting crime in Detroit that is named Stealth. But we also have our main character in all this, really, is Tony Barber, who is a reporter and kind of is wanting to be more than he actually is, is the best way that I can describe it. Like, you know how sometimes it's like, I can't believe there's somebody that writes about this stuff. I'm sure you've thought about that when you've read an article, either online or in the newspaper or something like that. Well, Tony Barber is one of those writers and wants to be writing about something more and wants to be writing about what's really happening in his city of Detroit. But his editors kind of won't let him. But he definitely has more than that going on on his plate right now, especially at home. He's dealing with his dad that has some health issues. That's the best way that I will describe it without spoiling it to to you. And you kind of get the idea of who Stealth is while you're reading this book because while you've got what's going on with Tony, 
and what's going on with with his life, and you see kind of how him and his dad get along or don't get along at certain points, and how concerned Tony is with his father, and then we see some stuff that's going on with stealth in the issue as well, and how he's fighting crime in the city. Now, you kind of get an idea of who you think stealth is when you're reading this book, and you do get to find out stealth's identity in this book as well, and it's in the last few pages, and I will tell you this, that the way that that was executed was one of the most uniquely executed secret identity reveals I've read in a long, long time. I was genuinely surprised, and it's a very interesting angle on a story that, you know, superhero stories can kind of get lost in the shuffle because... You know, a lot of times heroes just kind of are what they are, right? It's hard to reinvent powers and gadgets and stuff like that. And as you see, you know, some of the stuff that stealth uses, I mean, it's stuff that's certainly similar to things that we've seen other heroes use. But then you understand that stealth is about the story, not about the suit, not about the gadgets, not necessarily even about the superhero per se, even though it kind of is. There's a lot of stuff going on here that don't just have to do with a suited up superhero that's that's something that i think is really going to drive this story forward and not to mention you want to talk about something that moves things forward and it's belgarde's art and one of the reasons that it's so so important to have this is especially in that reveal moment once you're in the middle of what's going on and this isn't your typical like take the mask off kind of reveal once you get in the middle of what's going on during and after the reveal, those emotionally charged moments and what's actually occurring, you can't just, just describing that wouldn't really make it hit home. But when you see it with your own eyes and the way Belgarde and Tamara Bonvillain's colors as well, because hugely important there, and you'll understand why when you read it, it just makes it hit you on an entirely new emotional level, especially given the characters involved. It takes it up a notch, and that's in a way that you couldn't really do if you were just reading it. I that's then that's one of the beauty that's one of the beauties of comics. It's one of the beautiful things about comics is that we get to actually see these just really tough emotional moments literally brought to life before our eyes and it was a wonderful wonderfully just gut-wrenching reveal, if if you could call it that way. And that's kind of an oxymoron, but you'll understand when you see it. I got to have more stealth. I really do. Not just because of that reveal, but because there's going to be so many factors at play now, especially with what stealth is doing in the city. That there, There's just so much going on. I have to know more about stealth. So I definitely recommend that one from Skybound and Image Comics. We've also got another interesting story from Dark Horse Comics this week that also has some familiar vibes. Vibes at Starship Down number one and Justin Giampoli doing the writing there. Sorry, Justin, I know I butchered your last name. Andrea Muti on the art, Vladimir Popov on the colors, and hey, guess what? Sal Cipriano on the letters once again. Now, this is basically. This isn't really a spoiler because it's kind of in the description, and I believe it's part of the co- one of the covers. As well, this is about basically a a found extraterrestrial ship that's kind of buried under the ice in Serbia. So you've got Russians and U and U.S. 
that are a part of this. And there's a cultural anthropologist that gets called in to deal with some of this as well because they've also found some stuff around the ship. So there's kind of a whole, you know, what's going on here? How did the ship get there? How long has it been there? Why is it here? And it just basically, there's a lot of unknowns. And we get to see this kind of play out. And and it's funny because it kind of starts out with the logistics of the whole thing where you're talking about, okay, I'm going to show you something. You're not going to be allowed to talk about it. You're not going to be allowed to say anything to anybody. And the anthropologist goes, ah, yeah, I've signed NDAs before. And the guy's like, no, 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 this is different. And you'll understand why when you get down there. But there's also a whole you know, level of disrespect thing that's going on here that's going to be a part of the story, not just because you've got a cultural anthropologist being brought in to work with military personnel, but there's also the Russian and American butting of heads where it's almost like, well, we, I guess we have to work together. So, but then there's also a who's hiding what from whom sort of thing going on here. So there's definitely like an international intrigue part to this story, but then you kind of fast forward to the end and when they actually get to explore the ship a little bit, I I really got like, like vibes from Prometheus. I got some vibes from the expanse at one point, the early seasons of the expanse. And then you see what they find on the ship and you go, Oh, well that answers some questions, but exactly how did this all come about? And how is this still the way it is? And I know I try to do these reviews spoiler-free, and that's frustrating, and that can lead to me saying, what the hell are you talking about? When you see the reveal, you'll understand how big of a deal it is, and that's what changes the story. It changed, again, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, found spaceship, you know, we've kind of seen this story done before, except you haven't, because then you get that angle, and you wait for that in stories like this too, don't you? Because I know I do, and I certainly did on this, I'm waiting for that reason to tell me that this is going to be a different story, right? And it's not because it wasn't an interesting story leading up to that reveal, because it was. I actually liked the byplay in the characters. I thought it was written really well. It was done visually very well. The art's very detailed. It, it kind of had like an old school, the characters kind of had like an old school look to it, almost like we were seeing a period piece from maybe like the 80s or something, but everything was very clean and sharp and crisp in like a modern way as well. So the art was really, really pleasing in that respect. But then at the same time, then you get to the, okay, I, I, I like these things and, I, and I'm interested, but I need to be hooked. Because in a comic, you're waiting for a hook anyway, but especially in a book like this where you're waiting for that moment because you've, you've seen stuff similar to this before, right? And you get that, at the end, you get that thing that makes you go, okay, now I have to see what happens in issue two. And I absolutely, absolutely do have to see what happens in issue two. Starship Down, number one from Dark Horse Comics. Put that one in the poll box as well. A couple of really good ones this week that you're going to want to at least give a shot to. And I think add to your collection and add to your collection at some point for the entire run. Because I think these are both going to be a couple of good ones. That's going to do it for what we're reading up next. Going to be tackling the season three finale of Black Lightning. But this time, we'll give you plenty of spoilers next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. 
This is Christine Adams from Black Lightning, and you're listening to the Down and Dirty Podcast. The fight for Freeland comes to an epic conclusion this past week on Black Lightning. Here's my spoiler-filled review of the Black Lightning Season 3 finale, and it has been on. Basically, ever since Gravedigger showed up and kind of changed the game for the Markovians, it has been on ever since then. And, of course, we get to find basically spoilers from here on out, too, by the way. Just so I can warn you, we're going to be talking about the Black Lightning Season 3 finale. We find out that Gravedigger is actually a relative of Jefferson Pierce. He is kind of a family member, so that changes the game a little bit here for Jefferson. Anyway, not so much for Gravedigger, and certainly not so much for Lynn. It's a very interesting thing when they've kind of got Gravedigger, and Lynn says, you know, we got to kill him. And Jefferson says, no, 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 there's got to be another way. And Lynn is all on the let's take him down train, which I thought was really, really interesting. And it was also an interesting dynamic between Lynn and Jefferson there at the end when he's trying to get her out of that ASA facility. And this this when the ASA, when Agent Odell basically orders every everything kind of scrubbed, right? Because he thinks that, that everything's kind of gone down the tubes. He wants to basically get rid of any shred of any evidence of anything. And that also means kind of taking out anybody that knows anything. And we see that happen to Dr. Jace. We see Dr. Jace finally get hers, not in the way that... I mean, the, here's the thing, too. I was never a big fan of Dr. Jace, but the but the way that she basically gets shot while tied to a chair, it's almost like I'm not. It's like that's not the way that she should have gone. So now, don't get me wrong. Not poorly written. I'm not saying it was poorly written. I'm just saying it's like it's like you know. I would have liked to seen like Lynn beat the hell out of her, or something, right? And that's how she goes. You know, like she gets her comeuppance from somebody who deserves to give that to her and not just basically get shot in a chair by an ASA agent. But the ASA agent actually kind of lets Lynn go because Lynn convinces him that, hey, I might actually be able to control this thing. I might actually be able to take down Gravedigger and save this whole thing and save this whole mess. And what she, what we're trying to save here basically is Freeland because the Markovians are in Freeland and we're talking about the government getting ready to basically nuke Freeland just to get rid of the Markovians. If you go back to Gotham and the whole No Man's Land storyline, it was somewhat similar to that in that, hey, if you can't get this under control, we'll get it under control for you and your city is going to be gone. So it led to a lot of frantic stuff and it led to a lot of interesting confrontations, especially when it comes to Gravedigger. I mean, there was a lot of great action in the fight scenes between Jefferson and Gravedigger and Black Lightning and Gravedigger. But I got to tell you, the, the the fight between Nessa and and Gravedigger and the, everything that happened with Grace there, I thought was super, super interesting as well. And of course, you know, Grace ending up turning on Nissa, not of her own volition too, by the way. It's, you know, she was kind of put under... Uh, I, I put under a a spell of some kind by Gravedigger to fight against Nissa, and how did that work? Anissa, I should say, Anissa. She so she was put under a spell to fight against Anissa, and she ended up having to hurt Grace and didn't want to. And now we find out that Grace is in a coma, and that's one of the things that we're going to have to deal with 
going into season four. But that's not the only thing that we have to deal with as far as a Pierce family member either, because we saw what happened with Jennifer, who was taken by the Markovians, taken by Gravedigger, actually. And I loved their interaction, too, by the way. The way that Wayne Brady and China Ann McClain kind of played off of each other in that scene, and the way that Jennifer was actually able to hold her own. Now, granted, she was in a box, and she was just being questioned by Gravedigger, who was trying to get information out of her. You know, she held her own. In a in a in a in a one on one kind of battle of the wits with Gravedigger, and I thought that that was really really cool and really really interesting. And hey, Black Lightning came and saved the day, got her out of there. So that that was good at least. You know, the, the the family was saved, and that was one of the main things about this. But then you got to see some odd combinations, like you know, de- like Detective Henderson, where he kind of was in that shootout in the streets with the Markovians, and then here comes Lala and his crew to kind of save the day. And, you know, Henderson was like, we got to fight our way through this. And he got that unlikely help from Lala, of all people. And it was just a really interesting and cool moment. And there was a lot of stuff like that in this episode where it was really quick, but everyone seemed to kind of rally around Freeland and rally around the fact that, you know, this is our city. This is our home. I mean, even... Lady Eve, to a certain extent, that that was, you know, her thing too. It's like, no, no, you're not going to take my home for me. And you even see her end up taking a bullet at one point in this episode. And then you've got kind of, you've got Tobias, Tobias Whale kind of laying in the weeds in this whole episode, plotting his next move. And he wasn't even a major part, I didn't think, of this episode, really. One of my favorite parts, though, of this whole thing, where there was a couple and they both involved... Agent Odell. Not only when you've got Agent Odell, who basically is going to get his comeuppance at the end of this episode. You see the trial there at the end. I thought that was really, really cool. And almost like a whole thing for Jefferson of, you know how he's always said, you know, there's always another way. Violence isn't always the answer. You bring people to justice. It was almost like a justification for all of those things that Jefferson had said leading up to that point, because now they did bring him to justice and justice, it looks like, will be served in this particular case. And the ASA, shut down now. Done. Gone. Dealt with. So now, we, well, I, I'll, I should, I'll say we don't have to deal with them anymore, but I think we know a little bit better than that. These things tend to rear their ugly heads again. But before that, we also had Khalil, who was finally able to track down Odell and do his thing. And he ends up, now, Jefferson tried to stop him. But Khalil sort of got his measure of revenge by shooting Odell. He didn't shoot to kill, though. He just shot to, you know, kind of get his point across in a certain way, I guess you could say. So that was a really, really cool and interesting scene, I thought, and another really impactful thing that happened in this finale. You've also got the fact that, I mean, let's face it, you get to see that basically boss walk, right? of the entire Pierce family when they're walking out of that hearing. And you get to see them, their heads held high, all of them suited up, except for Lynn, of course, she wasn't suited up. Then, of course, you get to see Gravedigger still going to be part of the story as well, too. He kind of shape-shifted. He's got that power now, of course. You know, we got to give him more powers because he didn't already have enough as it is. So you got to see him walk out of there. So he's, I'm I'm sure, going to be around at some point 
in season four, right? But season three, I thought was the strongest season of Black Lightning so far. And it's it's hard to say that because Tobias Whale has been such a great villain up to this point. But the way that the Markovians in the ASA and they weave that story together and how that morphed and changed characters that you never thought would be changed in the way that they were, like Lynn, and like how Anessa was, was forced to kind of play that dual role and how it, all of this affected Jennifer and the fact that she was still getting used to her new abilities and her new powers. And even Gamby to a certain extent. And, the, you know, he's, he's got a new protege in a certain extent in TC and he was really looking out for this kid and really, really wanted him to be a part of the team. And, and he was to a very large extent and helped out a great deal. You've also got, you know, one of the things that I didn't even get a chance to talk about is that we knew Damon Gupton was going to be leaving the show. What we didn't know was that Bill Henderson was going to die in this episode. Although, you know, we don't necessarily see him die, but, you know, he had a hole in his chest and he was laying on the ground, and that's never, never a good sign. So we know that he will probably not be back on the show unless it's some sort of flashback situation or, you know, maybe... Who knows? He could end up in a pod for all we know. It's, it, there's a lot of uncertainty, actually, heading in to season four of Black Lightning, but also getting just to see everyone sort of rally around each other when it counted most for Freeland. And even the most evil of them, kind of you understood that Freeland is still their home and they're not going to let some outsiders come in and mess that up. Right, that was one of the main themes of this season. Towards the end, there it was like, "Hey, we're not going to let you mess this up." But think about the evolution of the of the villains. Too, we had Tobias and Lynn sort of working together. You had Lynn towing that line. You also had Age Nodell, who was a great villain this season. Then that morphed into Grave Digger and some of the other stuff that was going on and the emotional roller coaster that that the Pierce children that were on Anissa and Jen. Alike. I mean, it was just a, such a tough, tough season for the Pierce family. And just get to see them, a lot of them, out of character at times. Not just Jefferson, but a lot of them out of character and facing some really, really tough situations. Just personally, I think this was the most personal season of Black Lightning as well. And that's what I think made it the best season. There were some, certainly some major personal moments in other seasons as well. But this one, to me, just kind of took it up a notch. The stakes felt a little bit higher. And it just goes to show you how Black Lightning has really gotten better. It was already pretty good to begin with in Season 1. But it just keeps getting better as it goes. So how they're going to be able to step up their game for Season 4? Will we actually see the Outsiders? We didn't really get to see the Outsiders in this season. So hopefully the Outsiders is something that we get to. And season four of Black Lightning, we could have Black Lightning and the Outsiders. That'd be pretty cool. Or maybe Anissa is going to be dealing with the Outsiders. Maybe she'll be the leader and she'll lead her own group at some point. Or is it still going to be a family affair? There's just a lot of very interesting developments that could happen in season four. And I can't wait. It's been an amazing season of Black Lightning. And I'm, I can't remember the last time I was looking this forward to a season of Black Lightning. I think season four is going to be off the charts good as well. This week, the Down and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Mack Weldon. You've heard me say it before, premium quality menswear focused on the best and smartest designs and premium fabrics. And they put their money where their mouth is too because if you don't like 
your first pair of underwear, they will let you keep it, absolutely no charge, give you a full refund. I didn't have to do that because I loved my silver men's underwear from Mack Weldon and a whole bunch of other great menswear as well. Go see for yourself. Go to MacWeldon.com. Use the promo code NERDY to get 20% off your first order. That's MacWeldon.com, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com slash NERDY for 20% off your first order of premium quality menswear from Mack Weldon. That's going to do it for my Season 3 finale review of Black Lightning. Up next, we've got a lot of nerd news to tackle. Yes, some of it is coronavirus-related. We'll dive into all of that and much more next. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Liza Jalavera from Netflix's Lock and Key, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. With a lot of uncertainty and a lot of rapid changes, it is time for nerd news. And I talked about it last week, the coverage of anything coronavirus related. And as it turns out, this week was a big week for announcements and cancellations and delays and things like that. I want to go ahead and start off by we're going to get into I'm going to get into E3 here big in just a second. But I wanted to start off with WonderCon being postponed as of me recording this there's no new there are no new dates for WonderCon Anaheim Comic-Con International announcing the postponement it was the right thing to do I'm just going to jump right into that and that pretty much goes for everything that I'm going to be talking about safety first think about it if we do this now we kind of isolate everything now the quicker we can get back to normal the quicker we do this the quicker that we can get back to normal we hope so that is the hope in all of this and it's not like most of these things are still going to be happening. Emerald City Comic Con is a perfect example of that. They're, they've already announced brand new dates for August the 21st through the 23rd. And so that is when they're going to be back. So yeah, there is still light at the end of the tunnel. There are things that are going to be happening soon. And I just wanted to say from my perspective, you know, of course, I'm, I was looking forward to WonderCon, not just, you know, to cover the event for you guys, but, you know, to see some friends and, you know, get to experience the convention once again, because I, I was a big fan of WonderCon, went last year for the first time and loved it. So I'll definitely be supporting the convention in the future. But as far as any future coverage of conventions here at the Down and Nerdy podcast, I'm suspending any travel, non-essential travel for the Down and Nerdy podcast until further notice. Hopefully, San Diego Comic-Con will go on as scheduled if everything is safe by then. Hopefully, that is going to be the next con that I cover, but I will keep you up to date on any of those changes as they go. Keep up to date with that at downandnerdypodcast.com and on our social media pages as well. But now, I want to dive in to E3, and I'm going to kind of compare and contrast this a little bit to WonderCon as I go, because as you know, E3 Expo has been canceled, not postponed, canceled for 2020. Now, I put an article up on the website earlier this week saying, you know, is this it? Is this cancellation it? Because what have we seen? We've seen developer after developer start to drop out of E3 even more. You know, Sony, this would have been their second year skipping it. Nintendo doesn't necessarily skip E3, but very much does their own thing, so I can imagine that they'll probably do the same here coming up. Microsoft's already announced that they're going to be doing their own private event at some point to to help have their E3 reveals. It just seems like this is something that each individual company could do on their own, and I'm thinking that they're kind of starting to realize that. And the irony in all this is is that 
E3 just opened up to fans. It used to be just for press media coverage of these big announcements, right? And then, of course, fans could watch it remotely. Well, that's just it. It's almost like this is a wake-up call to, to these developers going, well, if that's the case, why aren't we just doing this ourselves? And I realize there's, you know, there's an overhead thing there, and, you know, you'd have to, you know, make all your own arrangements and things like that. You've got to make a lot of that stuff anyway. And E3, you know, they had that data breach problem not too long ago. That upset a lot of fans, and I'm sure a lot of professionals as well. So there's been a lot that hasn't gone right for E3 lately, and it could be that this cancellation makes a lot of developers realize, you know, why are we pouring everything into this when we could kind of do our own thing and do it remotely? So this cancellation to me feels like a much bigger deal, and this is June. You know, everything could be fine by June. We don't know. But once you cancel, you cancel. That's it. And again, still, I feel like it was the right thing to do. Huge risk for them. As far as I'm concerned, though, because if you compare E3 and WonderCon, and I'm going to do this knowing that they're very different events, okay? But follow me on this. E3 has been around a lot longer than WonderCon, by my knowledge, right? I'm pretty sure that's correct. So E3 has always had that, you know, that big fight feel, right? Like it was the San Diego Comic-Con of video games, in a way. That's where everybody would make their big reveals. But then that slowly started, that's been slowly starting to fade away with each company that's just deciding not to do this anymore. Or just not really having much to announce at E3 or nothing huge anyway. So it seems like E3 has been steadily declining, whereas WonderCon feels like it has been getting bigger and bigger every year, right? It's becoming more and more of a big deal. It's that big con in April that you're looking for, you know, it's like right after Emerald City, which also had to be postponed, by the way. Hopefully that will happen again here really soon. A lot of other conventions around the country as well. I can't really go on listing all of them because it's basically all of them is what we're looking at. So WonderCon feels like it's been getting bigger and bigger every year. So for them to cancel, and by doing it earlier, by the way, it, that's a lot of good faith to fans and attendees they can say, okay, well, you did it early enough for me to try and figure out my my cancellation of my travel arrangements, try to get refunds and, and things of that nature. So I think that that's an important thing to point out here is that that was a very, very smart move on their part. But then all of a sudden you look at how major this event, I think, would have been with a lot of things coming up like Stargirl and things like that that were going to be coming up that, that could have been a part of this event. Now we'll never know. Because a lot of places didn't announce their plans for these events, right? So you never really know what this is going to be. But this felt like, you know, an up-and-coming con that was already a pretty big deal. Whereas E3 always felt like it was on the decline and did so many things that were available remotely that it felt like, you know, why aren't we just doing this ourselves? Nintendo got that idea a while ago when they were struggling. And now that they're not really struggling anymore, they've kind of just continued to do their own thing because it's working for them. And maybe Sony has realized that as well. Maybe they'll figure out something that works for them. Will Microsoft figure out the same with Xbox? And I'm not saying that that means like PAX East and PAX Western will never, never happen again and Games.com and stuff like that. I'm just saying that E3 being this major deal just doesn't seem like a thing anymore. So I don't know what the future holds for E3, but I'd be pretty darn nervous if I were them. 
And again, I don't want to go into a lot of the movies that have been delayed. You know, Quiet Place 2 has been has been indefinitely postponed. You know, Fast and Furious 9, that's going to be happening next year now, Disney's Mulan. But a lot of these movies, you know, Will Black Widow follow suit? Eventually that's scheduled for May 1st. Uh, we've got the we've got Shang-Chi who's had to that that movie has had to shut down production because its director could have possibly t- is kind of currently in quarantine as I'm recording this self-quarantine because of a potential diagnosis of coronavirus. We don't know how all these things are going to affect things. And the Riverdale said as well in Vancouver, there was a person that came in contact with someone that has been diagnosed with the coronavirus. They've had to shut down. Then I look up and see The Flash has shut down production. They're also filming in Vancouver. There's nothing, no reports of any confirmed or, confirmed or possible cases of coronavirus in that case. A- again, as of me recording this, but you just see how rapidly things are changing now, and it just feels like a lot of shows will follow suit. But at the same time, there's already so much, for lack of a better word, stuff banked already in television and entertainment that there's there's going to be a lot of options and there's a lot of lead time to where it's not like we're going to have nothing, especially if you can't leave the house, especially if we get to the point where we, where we really can't go anywhere. And we're almost at that point now where it seems like it's better. Sa- it's safe to just kind of not venture out if you don't absolutely have to sort of thing. There's a lot of entertainment options that we're already going to have. So it's good to know that we have options. And as a matter of fact, I want you know, I'll talk about Sony's Bloodshot really quickly and Valiant. And, you know, this is, I mean, bad set of circumstances for them. Their movie's out this weekend. It's out right now. You know, there's going to be plenty of people that don't feel comfortable going to the movie theater. It's kind of like a what-do-you-do sort of situation, right? It was, you really can't delay a movie that's coming out this weekend. There's And the movie's already been delayed once. I mean, it was a short delay, but a delay nonetheless. And they were they were really kind of put in a tough spot. Now, should they should they release Bloodshot digitally now or this week or next week, something like that, because of everything that's going on with the coronavirus and all these cancellations and closures? But for all I know, by the time I'm done talking here, they could be closing movie theaters across the country. And then what do you do sort of thing? Right. So could Bloodshot make the money that it needs to make? And be as popular as it needs to be if it was released digitally. And I say yes, because think about it. There are people that are going to want to see this movie, whether it be Valiant fans or just Vin Diesel fans. If you think about what it costs to go to the movies anyway, right? You're going to drop almost 50 bucks on yourself to go to the movies. When you, when you talk about concessions and, and the tickets, and if you're taking another person, that it can get expensive. So wouldn't you pay 25, 30 bucks? To be able to own a movie forever and get it now, wouldn't you spend ten bucks to rent it now if you could? I don't know. I mean, even even at five ninety nine, the way I'm seeing it is, Bloodshot actually has the chance. If it was to release in digital right now, or very very soon after its theatrical its initial theatrical release, it could actually end up being one of the highest selling digital movies ever. And I know that that might sound crazy saying it out loud, but this would be one of the first brand new blockbuster comic book movies to just get released right away digitally in a non-streaming platform. You know, this would be an actual digital release of this movie, right? So if you did that now, imagine the sales that you could have. You could 
plop that up there and say, Bloodshot, high, fastest selling digital movie of all time. That could happen. That's a possibility. So that's just as much to me a feather in your cap as being able to say you made $50 million at the box office. Thirty, And I, and I don't think it'll approach that. I don't, I'm not sure it would have approached that even if this outbreak wasn't happening. I don't know. There's so many unknowns. You know, you've got plenty of hype surrounding Vin Diesel, and this is Valiant's first comic book movie ever, and you've got an unknown character, but it's still a cool concept. And I'm talking about the general movie going public here. You know I love Valiant, you know I love Bloodshot, but you've also heard me say a million times, the general movie going public has to care and has to want to see your product. Okay? That's why you got Vin Diesel to play Bloodshot in the first place, quite frankly. So, should they do this because they could make just as much, if not more, money and create just as much, if not more, buzz by just releasing this thing digitally to be able to buy it on Amazon or Vudu or whatever, wherever you get your digital movies. I, I think that that would not be the dumbest idea in the world. So maybe that's something that'll end up happening sooner rather than later. Maybe it won't. But there's also other non-coronavirus-related stuff going on. And I know you're getting inundated with that coverage. So let's talk about some other stuff that's going on. And I'm going to do this quickly because, you know, I want to be able to get to our conversation with Jun Yu here. How about this? Could Thor Love and Thunder have the Guardians of the Galaxy be part of the mix? This was first reported by comicbook.com. And this was actually part of one of the bloodshot red carpets where someone asked Vin Diesel a question about James Gunn, and he basically went on this thing where he was talking about how, basically how great James Gunn was, and now they're talking about how the Guardians, and and Vin, who, you know, is the voice of Groot, let it slip that they're going to be a part of Thor, of Thor Love and Thunder, and then he said, oops, you know, I guess I shouldn't have said anything about that, but you know, that makes so much sense, because I think we're still on track to see Thor Love and Thunder in November 5th of 2021. I know that all the movies are a fluid situation right now, but I think that that's a pretty safe bet. But with everything that happened with James Gunn and the whole being let go by Disney thing and the you know inevitable delay then of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, think about how long it would be before we saw the Guardians again and how much would that make sense given the way Avengers Endgame ended. Right, and you've got Thor that's kind of been traveling with the Guardians, or at least that seemed like it was going to be a thing, right? So why not, at least in part, have them be a part of this, even if it's just to drop Thor off where this movie is going to begin? I'm not saying that they're going to be a part of the whole movie and be a huge part of the plot. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, is that to have them be a part of this movie is not altogether crazy, and and it would actually make a moniker, a moniker of sense. So I think that that would be a really cool thing that they could do and, you know, just keep the Guardians fresh in everybody's head. Not that they wouldn't be. The Guardians of the Galaxy are hugely popular, but at the same time, it's good to let people know, oh, hey, by the way, there is a new Guardians movie coming. They are still doing stuff. Hey, here we are, by the way, you know, waving your hands in the air sort of thing. So I think that this is a really cool idea. I really hope that Taika Waititi ends up this ends up being true i don't know if this will actually be confirmed or not so 
we'll find out sooner rather than later. I don't. It seems like a weird thing for Vin Diesel to actually make up, although it's great publicity for Bloodshot. You know, bringing up a Marvel movie and everybody's going to reference that it was a Bloodshot interview. So that's a very smart thing for Vin Diesel to to let slip. I'm sure that there's plenty of folks that aren't happy with him about that, but it's still a pretty interesting thing for him to let slip. So I, I think that this it, it's a good idea, and I don't see why you wouldn't do this at least. Even if it's a small part, it just makes sense to go ahead and do this as far as I'm concerned. It seems like, let's let's talk about Valiant a little bit, but on the comic side, because they've been making a lot of really interesting announcements lately, and a lot of series that are either returning or brand new series. You know, you've got Exo Man of War that's going to be having, it's a, a kind of a, a rebirth, as it were, with a, with a number one issue on March the 25th. And now we find out that Savage is going to be returning as well this June. And they just made the announcement, Valiant did, just just a couple of days ago, actually, that Savage was going to be returning, and Max Bemis is going to be doing the writing there, and Nathan Stockman are go- is going to be doing the art. And you can see some of the pages at downandnerdypodcast.com if you've gone there and seen the story already. And what this actually seems like it's going to be is it's going to be kind of savage in the modern world. He's basically, part of the synopsis is that he's living in London and becoming a breakout viral sensation sort of thing, right? So he's like man of the jungle, you know, man versus wild, those Bear grills, right? So he's almost like a more extreme version of like a Bear grills sort of thing, right? So there's going to be a lot of really cool action, you know, dinosaurs, stuff like that. But at the same time, there's going to be, as, as, the, as it was put by, by Nathan Stockman himself, he said, you know, that it's going to be big action, laughs, and a great story. That was one of the quotes from the press release that, that Valiant sent out. So it, the, the art looks really, really amazing. I love the fact that, you know, the last time Savage hit the pages of Valiant Comics, it was, it was a super serious, you know, bloody affair. And it, it was still a good story. Don't get me wrong. But this one, adding a little bit of humor into it and taking a different spin on it seems to be kind of what Valiant is doing lately right if you're gonna do if you're gonna refresh these characters refresh them and give us a little bit of a different angle on this and you know as somebody who's loved Valiant for years I I, you know I have those stories that I can go back on as well but to see something fresh and new that they're doing especially with a character like Savage right I think that that's a really really neat idea to do this with this character doesn't always have to be super serious and it doesn't always have to be you know world's ending type of scenario right I mean I'm sure that there's going to be a premise where the action gets set up right and, there, and there's going to be some sort of impending doom that needs to be saved it's that's just part of comics and superhero comics and if you want to call Savage a superhero I'll let you debate that but it just seems like Valiant is finding out that okay we need to try and do something to kind of refresh things a little bit. And they're going to be doing that with Shadow Man and Cullen Bunn as well. And to grab a couple of creators that have a lot of experience with Marvel as well and some and some big names to bring to a book like Savage, I think was really, really smart. But Valiant has always been about finding the right fit for creators in certain characters. They don't just grab flashy names to grab flashy names. They always find the right fit to go with the right characters. That's why I have every confidence in the world that Valiant will have a winner on their hands with Savage. Before I move on, I just want to say one more thing. As news evolves or doesn't evolve, there might be times that there's a there's not quite as much nerd news 
or something like that. I'll always try and give you the latest nerd news and information from the world of entertainment, comics, you name it. But if we're ever short on nerd news, I will be adding extra stuff like maybe I'll give you an extra comic book review that week. Or maybe, you know, sometimes we have plenty of stuff to review, review as far as TV, movies, and stuff like that are concerned. I'll give you a little bit of something extra, so there'll definitely be no shortage of coverage here on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. And I will try and keep any coronavirus stories and updates and stuff on the website and here on the podcast. It will only be the critical information that I pass on to you because I know that you're getting it everywhere. You don't necessarily need to get all that here. And speaking of those changes and all the stuff that's evolving, actually, that's going to do it this week for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. And I want to thank you, the listener, for kind of rolling with the punches this week. You know, we were kind of dealt a certain set of circumstances with the Mulan movie being delayed and having to pull one of our interviews. I know that one of the reasons you love listening to the show is because of these interviews. There were last-minute changes. You know, it's really it would, would have been really difficult to turn around and do something at the last minute. I didn't want to have to delay the show too long. So I just thank you so much for rolling with this. Again, I know you're getting a lot of heavy coverage of this virus, of this pandemic, a lot of other places. That's not what I'm here to do. I am here to give you some escape. I want to give you something that's not about that. But if it's crucial information that I know you need and I know that you want to talk about, then yes, I am going to make that a part of the show. But that is not going to be a regular part of this show. You want more, like I said, more comic book reviews? We'll do that. You want to talk more about comics and more comics interviews on the show? I'm thinking comics are going to do pretty well during this time. If if everybody's shut inside and can work, you know, working from home for comics, that can work out pretty well sometimes. And I, there's going to be some difficulties there, I'm sure, because you've still got to get them printed. You've still got to get them up digitally and stuff like that. So I know there's going to be challenges there and, and you know, maybe there will be some delays in comics. But I can tell you this right now. I'm going to work as hard as I can to make sure you get the best nerd-flavored entertainment that I can bring you each week. And you want to get the best quality menswear for yourself as well? MacWeldon.com. Use promo code NERDY. You get 20% off your first order. Make sure you're doing that as well. I mean, just because you're inside doesn't mean you're not going to want to look good. And there's some comfy stuff from MacWeldon. I could tell you that from personal experience right now. But remember, the one important thing, whether you're quarantined or out in the world, you never have to apologize for being a nerd. So let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds.